Welcome everyone to the MBIT Podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Medan, and today Daniel Jacatus joins the pod to discuss his business, Chatkick, and how it hopes to revolutionize the talent acquisition industry. First off, thank you, Daniel, for coming on the pod to talk about your startup. How are you doing this evening? Good. Thanks, Seamus. Thanks for having me on. Um, doing good. Had a long day, but happy to be here uh, at the end of this Wednesday. That's awesome. And to start off the podcast, would you mind explaining to the audience what your background is? Yeah. So um, prior to starting Chatkick, I was the VP of engineering at a YC-backed company called Nextcaller. Uh, I had joined Nextcaller in 2018, so they had gone through YC back in 2014. I stayed with the company for a couple of years, and we actually were acquired in March of 2021, um, going even kind of further back. So most of my background has been in software engineering. Uh, the last few years in like leadership roles on the engineering side at startups, uh, but prior to that, I was in financial services, both on the buy and sell side in equity and credit markets, having stints at a few different places. Where did you get the idea for Chatkick and what is it? Yeah, so the the original idea actually came from when I was the VP of engineering at a, a startup here in New York called Card. Uh, we were very small at that time. This is going back to, I think, twenty, maybe 2017 or 2016. We were a team of about four and the engineers on my team, great engineers, but they were very junior and they had actually never really done any interviewing themselves or ran any sort of hiring process. And to be frank, even at that point, I had probably only run and managed a handful of processes. Um, and so we were uh, in the, the January of, I, th I think it was 2018 or 2017, we were running an internship process and we ended up getting like five or 6,000 applications. And for a company of the size that we were, like five or six employees, it was a ridiculous number to go through. All of these were like hyper-qualified candidates coming from top CS programs to join us for the summer that year. And so the only way for us to reasonably go about all of these candidates was to structure the interviews and then have everybody on the team basically take a pile of the top resumes, right? So, um, for us, what this required us to do is basically train our junior employees on how to interview, right? And so there's a few parts to that. It's not just how to ask questions, but it's also how to answer questions that come back to you as the interviewer. It's how to ask follow-up questions. And then if you're thinking from the founder seat or the manager seat, it's how does this employee pitch the company to the potential new employee, right? And that's a huge critical factor in terms of your ability to like close on new employees. So this problem was very clear to me as a hiring manager and then seeing that we had to delegate out to junior, junior team members. Um, so I knew pretty clearly that I would have loved something where I had visibility and had a way to coach and train and improve our process and at least guarantee our process, right? So, um, and that continued on. Uh, we, even later on in, in my career at Nextcaller, we were running some hiring processes where junior team members, great individual contributors were having to run initial screening calls just due to the volume. And we had to trust them a hundred percent that they were making the right decision on who to move forward or not, because who else can make the call, right? Except for the person who's spoken to that candidate. And so that in and of itself is kind of the core problem that we're solving for with our product is that you no longer need to just trust one individual to make the huge decision that is hiring a new employee. You can now have everybody involved 
without necessarily having everybody in the room to run those interviews. So how does that work? How is everybody being able to be involved in that process without them all being in the same room through ChatKick? Yeah. So at the core of our products, we're, we're a video interview platform. Uh, we do work, work over the phone, which I always throw out there. So in case you can't get on a, a video call, but we record, we transcribe, and then use a little bit of machine learning to analyze those calls. And then that way your team, your hiring team, right, can see the entire conversation that you've had with those candidates and ensure that the correct questions are being asked, that the, the positioning of the new role is correct, the way that you're speaking about the company is correct, and you can adjust, right? So as you're talking to more candidates throughout that process, you can calibrate correctly by seeing what's going on in those calls. Um, and by way of having those recordings, you can then share them out, right? So we integrate with products like Slack, where you can then share out to your team who's ever part of the decision-making committee, hey, we've run this screening call, go check this out. People go in and fill out their own feedback forms after working through the call. There might be some commentary in that system as well. And then you can ultimately make a better decision, a more effective decision. So you mentioned that ChatKick is a video interface platform. One of the things that I've noticed after interviewing a lot of founders is it can be very difficult to change people's behavior. How do you overcome the obstacle of getting recruiters and interviewers to install ChatKick versus just using Zoom? Yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the great question, right? Because uh, it's interesting when we were doing a lot of our product research over the last like eighteen months. It, the the number of times we bumped into hiring managers who would throw their hands up and say, we have no problem with our hiring process was uh, probably greater than 25%. And it's kind of embarrassing when you watch it happen in the conversations we were having, because we knew there were problems. We literally then would turn around, go to Glassdoor, and then pull up bad reviews of candidates who had gone through their own process. And at the end of the day today, like in this market where candidates are basically dictating which position they want to pick from. It's not the company's choice really anymore. You need to be buttoned up and you need to have process that is not only consistent, but like can give you outcomes that candidates are going to find favorable as well. So that's really the positioning that we give is that this is a very different time. This is a very different hiring market. And then adjacent to that is two years ago, I would argue that about 50% of the hiring process was done on site in office, right? And today, more than 50% of meetings take place in some type of hybrid setting, right? Whether it be on a Zoom call or a phone call, um, even if you do have people still in some central location. So the tooling needs to keep up and the process needs to keep up. So that's the other kind of side of this, that beyond the candidate experience component, the whole dynamic of how work is being done has changed. And so talent acquisition, hiring managers, founders, recruiters, whoever, whoever is operating in our platform needs to understand this. And what is your distribution strategy? Are you going B2B to help accelerate mass adoption of the platform, uh, B2C or a combination of both? It's all B2B for us. Yeah, it's all B2B. Um, in terms of distribution, I mean, we're obviously a SaaS platform. Uh, so we do have a sibling product called Trinsley. Uh, that we acquired in July of 2021. This product services uh, recruiters and sourcers um, in a blend of like agency and RPOs, whereas the other side is like corporate talent, which is who we typically sell into for our ChatKick product. Um, so in terms of distribution, we do see like cross-selling opportunities there. And then long-term, like our vision is a broader platform and ecosystem of talent acquisition and hiring products. 
And on your website, a recent survey by Survey Plug, uh, by Career Plug, found that 58% of job seekers said they they declined a job offer because of the poor experience, as you mentioned. Um, what specifically is ChatKick doing to help solve this problem? Yeah. So from like a one-off perspective, you obviously can't stop an interviewer from potentially saying harassing or illegal things. But what you can do is prevent that interviewer from ever talking to candidates again. And the way that you do that is being able to monitor at an executive level, at a corporate level, you can ensure that your teams that are running interviews are doing them in a consistent way that like matches up to your corporate values, right? And this is like the big selling proposition, especially when we talk to founders and C-suite is you need to make sure you know what's going on because the compliance landscape, the legal landscape, and even the social landscape of what is acceptable today has ramped up over the last like five to 10 years and you need to be ahead of that. And so while it may be uncomfortable for the interviewer initially, the executive team and leadership teams get a huge peace of mind having this available to them and at their fingertips to prevent potential red flags from coming up. So um, that's, that's the most direct way, right? Like is that the candidate experience of like the blunt, like illegal situations can be nipped in the bud. But the other side is just consistency, right? If you have one candidate who gets three softball questions, and then the rest of the time you go talk about the Yankees, and the next candidate gets 10 really hard, intense questions, and there's no personal interaction at all, right. the, the second candidate's not going to have a good taste in their mouth in comparison to the first, right? The first is going to feel like it's a, it's a jovial environment. They kind of like liked me, like it was, it was nice. The second one is going to feel like I was grinded down and like didn't have any personal interaction. And, and you want to avoid those situations, right? Consistency, structured interviews are essential for, for good candidate experience. So would you say ChatKick also makes a lot of sense or the most sense at larger scale businesses because it's easier to keep track of the numerous amounts of talent acquisition employees? Yeah, if you're thinking in terms of pure ROI, uh, larger enterprises definitely benefit more from it. However, what I would say is that where the real problem exists more so is because oftentimes like enterprises thinking Fortune 500, they oftentimes do have a lot of corporate policies, training programs, systems in place, and operational practices to at least alleviate some of this pressure. Uh, it's not perfect by any means. Where you see a lot of very severe issues are in the growth stage startup. So thinking about that like 50 employee range up to about 700, uh, particularly when they've gone post series A and the founder no longer controls the hiring process with an iron grip. And at that point, that's when bad things start to creep in, whether it be illegal things that are happening, it, it's candidates falling through the cracks, it's um, just poor candidate experience all around where there's like inconsistencies and potentially like poor selection processes. Um, that's where things start to fall apart. And so we see like opportunistically from like a business standpoint, we see that segment as like our real go-to-market segment, whereas enterprise will be a later stage process for us, just knowing how long those cycles take. Um, but to your point, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think if you're thinking dollars, ROI is definitely there in, in uh, the enterprise. And you mentioned before the pod that you started off the business with venture capital. What was your process getting venture capitalists investing in your business and what stage did you start at? 
Yeah. So I think it like to lay a little bit of background, right? So I, prior to this, I was the VP of engineering at a startup. We had gotten acquired and been mildly successful. I wouldn't call it a, a gangbusters acquisition, but mildly successful. Um, and so as a result of that, and then as a result of having built like a pretty uh, polished prototype, I, I would say it was a very polished prototype of the product. The, the fundraising process for me was relatively direct and straightforward. Um, I think where it, I had to, I hit a fork in the road probably around the time that I decided that I was going to do this full time in that I was originally thinking I wanted to bootstrap this business. I had saved up quite a chunk of money to be able to do that and maybe go for like six or 12 months to just work on my own bootstrapping the product. Um, I had had some pretty serious conversations with some uh, family friends and advisors of mine that kind of nudged me in the other direction saying that to compete in this space, you might need more capital than you realize. And then in conjunction with that, I mean, I, I have a young, I have a young son. Um, and so like thinking just from a personal perspective as well is that the risk on the table might need to be minimized a little bit. So that was kind of the decision to go raise venture capital. And then the other side of it was, um, we were looking at like a small acquisition to kind of act as a flywheel to initially start. And that's how we ended up with the Trinsley acquisition in July of last year. So that was sort of the first step of capital raising that we did a few hundred thousand dollars in June of 2021. And then as I was transitioning away from my full-time role in July, I kind of pushed down on the gas a little bit to raise what is effectively a pre-seed round for us. So we went out to a handful of firms directly uh, mostly through warm introductions, people who were in the space or new partners at some of the funds. And immediately, like our kind of thesis was picked up by quite a handful of them. It really came down to uh, the speed at which they were willing to close the deal and then also the terms at which they were going to do it. A lot of pre seed and seed round investors kind of put founders in a stranglehold. And oftentimes, we'll try to grasp for a substantial portion of equity. And and like first time founders for the most part who are not as sophisticated don't realize that they're giving up so much. So that was a big thing. We noticed that a lot of the investors who had come to the table were trying to ask for way too much. And so we went with a, a firm, it's, it's stage two capital based out of Boston. Great team there, it's two GPs and we got along very well. They understood the vision and they were very quick to pull the trigger and just trusted that we were gonna be able to pull this off. So. We closed that, I think, from the first time we spoke to them to the time we uh, had the money in the bank, it was maybe about six to eight weeks. So it was a relatively quick process. And I was doing this while I was still full-time at my last role. And uh, to wrap it up here, what do you think are some takeaways about your company and where can people find more about Chatkick? I think the biggest takeaway, right, is the the change in market dynamics of the of the labor force, the, the skilled labor force, as they call it, or the white collar labor force. And one of the things that our tools enable companies to be able to do is to look beyond their typical borders, right? So it's not just the tooling that we're developing from a, like a recruiting and interviewing standpoint, but it's the whole ecosystem, right? You got to look at companies like Oyster HR deal, things like that, like payroll ecosystems that allow you to hire in countries abroad. And then even being able to rely on uh, team members halfway across the world to be able to run an interview process for you. This is a crazy idea if you said this to somebody five years ago. So our tooling combined with international payroll systems, combined with international benefit systems, and things like Slack, 
enable you to really be a global workforce without needing to be a Fortune 500 company. You could be a 10-person startup and you could be distributed across the globe. And so while today candidates are driving, especially in the US market, candidates are driving the labor market today, I don't think that that's going to continue. I think the big shift is going to come when companies start to realize that the tooling and infrastructure is now available to really look beyond just the US borders to find skilled labor. And it's not just for the big companies to be able to do that. Like the small startups, just like ourselves, can look elsewhere. And for all the founders in the audience, I'll have a link posted to ChatKick in the episode description down below if you're interested in checking it out. So thank you, uh, Daniel, for taking the time to hop on the podcast. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to drop a five-star review down below and uh, hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks, Seamus.